and welcome into the Garbage Goal Podcast. I'm Patrick, along with Colin, for another episode of All Florida Lacrosse. We're glad you're episode with us. <laughs> episode four, I believe, yes, because we started with zero, and now we worked ourselves up to episode four. So uh, we've made it all this way. It's been a great journey. We hope we can make it to five. But that'll be for next week, so we'll see what happens. We've got there's a long time, seven days between now and then. But uh, we uh, we're gonna have a fun show tonight. Tonight it's gonna be me and Colin. We're gonna talk Florida lacrosse, and tonight what, today what we're gonna do is we're just gonna talk. We're gonna do hot takes, and there's some stuff that Colin and I want to talk about and kind of break down, uh, have a little bit of fun uh, as we barrel through it. And so uh, I don't know what Colin's bringing to the table. He doesn't know what I'm bringing to the table. So this is either gonna be amazing. Or a complete disaster. So you wait and see. <laughs> right. Oh, so we're going to have a good time. I'll, I'll tell you this. The fact that we're on episode four is already a dub in my book. Uh, you know, it's been a lot of fun with the guests that we've had from Poe to Torres uh, to Danny. And now this one not having an interview because <clears throat> Patrick forgot to set it up, even though we thought we had somebody. But we'll get that for next week, maybe. Um, but it's, it's just going to make the anticipation for next week that much greater. That's that's what it is. Yeah, and it Before. is actually pretty cool. Yeah, it is pretty cool. We're really, really excited about people that have tuned in and have been listening on Apple, uh, on Spotify, also watching the episodes on YouTube. So trying to give you some variety. Some, we're also I don't even know if you know this, but we're on TikTok um, and cool. we're obviously on Instagram with the Orlando Lacrosse Report. Because, of course, the Garbage Gold podcast is powered by the Orlando Lacrosse Report, which basically consists of me reposting all of the local boys lacrosse team's content. And really, that was the birth of what the Orlando Lacrosse Report is. I don't pretend to – like, I don't walk around with a press pass. I don't pretend to, like, have some kind of, you know, authoritative uh, narrative on Florida lacrosse. But but I did think it was important that, you know, that – the teams in central Florida, the boys teams get some notoriety. And one of the easiest ways to do that was to consolidate that all into one feed, which turned into be Orlando lacrosse report. And I think I've been doing that three years now and people are like, how do you do all that? And I said, literally in the morning, I just sit down with a cup of coffee for like 10 minutes and I go through content and just repost. So for all of you, uh, lacrosse players in central Florida, all of you high school coaches, all of you parents, if your team doesn't have an Instagram account, you need to start one. If they have one and it stinks, make it better. And if you're posting stuff, you need to tag Orlando Lacrosse Report so we can repost it to all of our um, all of our followers. So uh, we appreciate everybody following us, and you can uh, check us out on Instagram, TikTok, all those good things, or even on Facebook. I think it just yeah. funnels into all the people that are still looking at Facebook. Do you look at Facebook? Me, unfortunately for work, I need to. Uh, we okay. both live in that world of sales and connecting with people. But I'll tell you from our side, from Winter Park High School, it's been awesome with the Instagram page. It's helped us connect with alumni and we're trying to build an alumni database uh, for our high school and reaching people through Instagram has been probably the biggest thing for us to be kind of our information center. So for sure, any coaches that are out there, it's very easy to do it. Everyone, I mean, most people are on that more now than the book. I have no idea what TikTok is or Snapchat or all these other things. It's just, so. it's just me dancing with lacrosse sticks and stuff. That's all it is. It's I mean, you, get pretty, like, you get a TikTok account. Isn't that kind of go with it? <laughs> I'll tell you what, though. I do have to give a shout out. I believe it's Olympia High School. And I don't remember if it was this year or two years ago. They might have the best Instagram account 
in all of Central Florida for boys lacrosse because I think one of the players or one of the students at the school runs it and they'll put like the logo over the top of movies where it's like Rocky fighting somebody and it's like whatever the team they're playing and it's hilarious like they literally have the best instagram account and it's always it's it's so much fun and the ones that the players run are to me are probably the most fun but anyhow that that's 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 that on instagram tiktok all that stuff so make sure you're following us so here's what i want to here's what i want to get into today colin is i want to kind of i want to i'm gonna break this down a little bit so i was reading the other day everybody knows nil name image likeness we hear about it in college sports it is taken over college football primarily uh but we are seeing it in college basketball actually one of the most uh what they believe will be the highest paid nil deal actually went to a uh, women's lacrosse player from clemson who's now at usf and um who's who's a, a player from episcopal i believe it is up in uh, jacksonville and her deal could potentially be worth tens or hundreds of millions of dollars because she got equity in the company and blah blah, blah. But all this NIL stuff, right, it is like become the rave with college. And there's high school students, high schools now that have NIL availability in their state. Florida does not. We're one of, I believe, 30 states right now that doesn't have NIL availability. But the FHSAA, which is our governing body, like them or lump them, um, they are talking about instituting and allowing NIL. So what does that do not only just for potentially boys lacrosse, if you say you have some crazy amazing player or a hookup or a, a popular team, just for high school sports in general, do you like it or not? You know, I, you look at the college, I mean, we're both big college football people, and there's been, it's been so long that the universities were making millions. I mean, you watch that Johnny Manziel documentary and to see how much money the university made after they beat Alabama, it's just unfair off the backs of those kids, and I get it. I think it's absolutely absurd to think about NIL coming down to the high school level uh, from multitude of facts. The, at the end of the day, I mean, I, I don't coach to make money, but there's zero money. In, in, right. I mean, you think about just across, I know the stipends for high school, for high school coaching, it's less than $2,000. You're working you're for free. About, you're talking about, I mean, I, I'm again, I'm a volunteer assistant coach and I probably give, three hours a day during season. And then that's not even including video time. That's not including half the time that we're talking with coaches and game planning and doing different things to think that any of our players could profit. It just, it just doesn't, it doesn't equate. Some of our players are playing division one lacrosse and they have NIL deals, but it's really just a partnership with companies where they're giving out promo codes, things like that. Maybe they make a buck here too, but yeah, it, it, I just don't see how it could how it could translate. And again, now we're waking up. And one of the things, I mean, as a Florida State fan, the amount of people that we've transferred in and out, I already hate seeing the transfers at the college level. And now you're going to see it in school. It's it's. I think it opens a can of worms that none of us are going to understand how to work. And now you've got kids making money. And what do those attitudes turn into? Well, I know that there was an NIL deal given to a high school player up north. I believe it was in Long Island who was a top player at the time, I believe he got a deal with a brand, right? So one of the lacrosse brands sponsored him. I don't know what the the details of that exactly were, if it was just a little bit of money, some free gear, but regardless, there was incentive to promote that brand through that player. And I'm like you, I don't like the idea of it, but on the flip side of that, if I am specifically, let's just call it what it is, if you're at a private school 
and you're looking to grow a program or attract players and you have NIL, and I'm sure there's going to have to be some kind of caps. Like, you can't just be like throwing crazy amounts of cash kids. But if you can convince a kid like, hey, the NIL allows us to do this, maybe it's five grand a year or it's free food or it's a car yeah. or I don't know, um, whatever that thing is, and you give that to kids and say, hey, you can come play here versus playing there or you can come all the way to here and live on campus or you can travel to this campus or whatever it is. Now, if I'm a, a fairly wealthy, say, booster at that school and I just say, hey, I want I want to drop 50 or 100K to win a state championship or give myself a good chance at my school, I probably would do it if that's a drop in the bucket. I'm just playing devil's advocate. You know what I'm saying? So, like, it can get really dicey really fast, but also a huge advantage to a school that could actually facilitate it. Well, I mean, you think about it now and not, I mean, people can make their own inferations of who we're talking about, but at the end of the day, the private schools can already do things that other public schools can't do. Sure. Uh, last, last week we had Poe on and we were talking about growing the game and actually making our communities all better in lacrosse, where you see a lot of people transferring to XYZ school, leaving their programs where they could have made those programs a little bit better. And now you've got two, three, maybe good teams in every big city and everybody else is just a secondary market so now you talk about adding something like this on that's not going to go to the teams that are developing that are starting that are getting these these programs going it's going to go to the guys that already have everything right that's true that's a good point look at those other places i mean there's always the 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 joke of the hundred dollar handshake that's been going on forever now it's just (laughs) brought out to the to the light i just it, it seems like an inevitable path i just i can't see it happening here football it's gonna happen you're talking about Nick Saban came on talking about having or paying kids $5,000 just to come for a visit. Now you go to some of these, I was, I was reading something. There's two high school teams playing, I think Friday night on ESPN, they have 76 division one players on it. I guarantee you of all those 76 players, none of them are from that local area. They're probably all shipped in (laughs) just like IMG is right for their football team. Half the kids are from California, Texas and other places like, what we preach is local, right? Play for your sure. hometown, play for, play for your friends, the people you grow up with. I just would hate if NIL would take something like that away. Well, it'd be interesting to see what happens with NIL, with FHSAA. Nothing's been set. Nothing's been determined. It's simply a conversation or a recommendation that um, is being put together by the FHSAA, as I've read it. And they are going to be reviewing a proposal. The Board of Governance is going to look at it, and then they're going to decide, you know, uh, Hey, this is what we will or won't do. So who knows? We'll see what happens. It's it's a crazy, interesting time uh, to see all this starting to trickle down even to potentially even to the high school sport. So yep. that's my NLL. That's my first hot take. What do you got for me? What are you going to hit me with? My hot take, and this is a homer hot take, face-offs are good for the game of lacrosse. Oh, man. Oh, man. You know, I, I've heard this conversation. You know, I, I follow a lot of people on Twitter and I have seen um, uh, there's been actually some uh, some tournaments, some some games where they've tried out not having a, fo- a FOGO, a face-off. Um, I, I'm a fan of the face-off, as painful as it is. And if you if you don't know uh, Colin and I, maybe you're new to the Garbage Goal podcast or you're just trying to figure – we both are from Winter Park High School. My boys both played at Winter Park. Colin has coached at Winter Park and played at Winter Park. Uh, the last couple of years, we've had uh, some really neat teams, some great teams that have made it to the Final Four with the uh, 2A division. And, you know, 
just you know one of our areas where we weren't as strong and we as a team was in the fogo was a face-off and we always tend to run up against teams with great fogos and quite frankly in my opinion in florida if you have a great fogo and i'm not meaning like good a great fogo you have a much higher percentage chance to win a state championship than any other team and if you look back even the last couple years the teams that have won it they all had great fogos i mean kids that are going to uh division one programs to play at the face-off position i'm a fan keeping the fogo i think it's the pure part of the sport to me it's almost a little bit like taking a a two putt away in golf it's like if you get it close count it i'm not a fan of that I, i i say you hold it out and play it all the way through but you know you were a fogo guy in high school i mean how do you feel about it well, here's the best part. Like to bring you back, like when the word Fogo was not a thing when we played. I I backed up uh, Andy Sinclair, who was an All American at uh, at Winter Park, and Andy Andy was an athlete. He was a midfielder, right? You were just they put people that were athletes at at the faceoff position, but there was no such thing as specializing in it. And back in two, and again, we're not talking about 1976. This was 2000, 1999. It was the stand face-off. It was the neutral grip, not the motorcycle grip. And it was a position. There was zero practice about it. It was be, be the better athlete, move it on. And it didn't slow the game down. But there was a strategy to it. And then when I came back after going to college for five years, for four and a half years, came back and was started at Boone, the very first practice I walked up to when I was coaching was this knee-down motorcycle grip. And these kids were specializing in it. And he's like, all I do is face off. I'm like, you're either a, you're a lacrosse player. I'm like, go to, get the ball out front, go down and shoot. He's like, I can't shoot with this dick. And it was mind-blowing to me. In the game, it evolved and it specialized. And people did so many different things. Heads were designed for just face-offs. And I think we kind of waved, went a little too far away from the game and made that a problem where the kids were just spinning and slowing everything down. Now the NCAA and now the FHSAA has followed them. Now we're back to standing and you've got a neutral grip, which has completely changed the game. We had amazing face-off guys with the knee down. When they immediately started changing the rule, we still had our kids go knee down because it was an advantage. Now everybody's on an equal playing surface, and I love it. It's back to it. You don't get a lot of the neutral draws where guys are sitting there fighting for 37 seconds, 40 seconds, and the game just slows down. You see a lot of action that's moving out of it. And I think it's been a good thing for the game of lacrosse. Um, the make it, take it. We've, I mean, uh, a couple of coaches have always talked about the make it, take it. You score a goal, you take it back out, and you kind of keep the pace going. In my opinion, that changes the game way too much. I yeah. love an LSM. I love a defensive midi. I love these guys scrapping it out, how you plan two middies versus whatever, and you kind of play through it. It's another wrinkle to the game. And, you're, you're spot on. We played Ponte Vedra, and I think that final four game, I think we won two face-offs total, and we were only down one with like three minutes left. And we had to strategize around the whole game around one player. And Ponte Vedra had All-Americans all over the field, Division right. one players on the field, and we had to focus on that face-off. He was good as all get out, and we had to strategize. And we did pretty well because we were within, we were within the game with three minutes left, but to only win two face-offs was brutal. Yeah, I, I, think it's, um, I think it's part of the game. I think people have to, um, you know, like it or lump it again, you got to figure out how to, how to specialize, right? Like, you don't just throw some random kid in goalie, although some teams have to, I get it. But, like, you want a kid that 
knows how to play goal, knows position, knows positional awareness, knows where the ball is, how to run the defense. Same thing with the FOGO. You got to have a kid that specializes at and goes to work and does the work just like a quarterback would do in football. You don't just pick some random kid off the sideline and go, hey, number 12, you, you know, you've been playing wide receiver. You go in there and throw the ball around a quarterback. This is a YMCA. And so the teams, the teams that are doing that and the kids that are doing that are having huge success, and it's a big advantage in Florida lacrosse right now, I believe. And anyone listening to this that want to get into, get, get into lacrosse, my, co- my head coach told me in my freshman year, I, was, I just started playing lacrosse, wasn't that good. And he goes, learn how to face off. You'll get on the field faster than anybody else out there. I learned how to face off. I immediately started playing in the JV time. Got looks from varsity my freshman year. Immediately made the team that went to the state championship that sophomore year. And that allowed me to become a better midfielder. And that's where we're back to, which I love. We've told our youth program we would love to see two face-off guys come up every year. Two guys that like doing it, that want to get in time into it every single year, along with the goalie. You can't just throw a random guy in cage. And you can't throw a random guy on a face-off. Because that's something you've got to be built into. So I mean, exactly. So I, I love it. Well, and just to, just to wrap that up, you know, how important face-off has become, and, it, and you've seen it over the last five or six year where it's, years where it's grown, is uh, they call him Greg Beast, you know, the big dude in the PLL, the guy that I don't even know where he played in college. I can't remember off the top of my head. But he, yeah, okay, Penn State. I mean, he's a freaking monster. His bicep is as big as my head. But, you know, he runs the face-off academy, and you have kids all over the country that are going to different sites just to work on face-off, just like they would – for goalies and sometimes, you know, for attack or get you know, LSM or depot or whatever. And so I think it's great for the game. I think it, it, it's a unique situation. You know, there's kids that I've seen play FOGO that play face-off that are not phenomenal all-around lacrosse players, but they're good at that one thing, and it gives them a chance to contribute to the team. And ultimately, it can be an absolute game-changer, and we have seen it in Florida lacrosse. We've seen it with St. Andrews. We've seen it with Ponte Vedra. We've seen it with Lake Mary last year. I mean, let's face it, that was a game changer for them to have, you know, have their face-off guy transfer from another school to their school, and it made a difference. If you have the ball, my dad always used to say, if you don't have the ball, if you don't shoot, you can't score, right? So you got to have the ball to score, and if you don't have the ball, you can't score. Bottom line, that's how lacrosse works. So uh, I think think that's a good good one to bring up, and uh, I hope the FOGO thing becomes a bigger and bigger um, point of – of growth in Florida. We need more kids that specialize in FOGO that are really good at it to help their team win and possess the ball. So, um, all right. So I got another hot take for you. This is going to be a fun one because this one gets me fired up. Okay. We are slated to the the state of Florida is slated to have the boys and girls lacrosse state championship again in Naples, Florida at paradise coast sports complex. All right. Now, that is in Naples, Florida. If you've never been to the complex, first thing, let me say this. If you're from Naples, if you're from the sports complex, just take a deep breath. It's a phenomenal facility. Beautiful. I mean, I don't know I don't know if there's a much better facility um, in Florida. Now, the turf is a little is is a little sketchy at times. That's that's tough. You know, you just have to the kids have to figure that out. Turf shoes, cleats, whatever it may be. But the location for the FHSAA state championships, the final fours for 1A, 2A, boys and girls is again going to be in Naples. Nothing to do with the facility as much as the location. Naples is really down amongst itself in that far southwest um, corner of Florida. 
It's not central to the state. If you're a team like McClay, if you're a team like Ponte Vedra, um, you're making a six, seven hour drive down to Naples. Should this be in Naples? Why or why not? Because I have a strong opinion and what, I don't I'm curious what you think. I'll tell you this, and you said it right. I mean, we couldn't be more thankful to the volunteers. I mean, we've been very fortunate. We played in the last three Final Fours. Um, one was at, at – where was the one? <laughs> I'm trying to remember. Austin, it was at NERP, right? Austin, Austin, Austin Tindale. Tindale, which basically – Kissimmee, played, Florida. For those that don't remember, Winter Park Lake Mary, which I think was one of my favorite games I've ever played or coached in. It was a Final Four game, and we played what I can only imagine – relates to a summer lacrosse classic event. Uh, Parents were three inches from us. Anyways, and then we transferred to Naples, which is like the Taj Mahal. I mean, the Mm -hmm. facilities are out of this world. Plenty of parking. There's plenty of things to do. There's hotels everywhere. But come on, anyone. And again, we're very fortunate. We're in Orlando. We're central at anything. So does it blank to go down there? Yes. It takes us (laughs) four hours to get down there. Uh, very hard to get all the kids down there. We have AP testing uh, at our high school. We have, excuse me, IB testing at our high school. The state of Florida has that. A lot of our kids have to drive down there, play a game, drive immediately back to do their IB testing, then drive all the way back or potentially miss the games because of that, depending on how the schedules work. But it is in the most remote, out-of-the-way, non-convenient to anyone. And my background is an event organizer. I worked for NBC Sports and Golf Channel for 14 years. In no way, when you're looking at something like this, would you pick a location other than that, other than they're giving you one heck of a deal. I can only assume that the FHSAA is getting, you know, what they need to get taken care of because we all know the number one location, and Danny said it on the podcast as well, the number one location for anyone to play at is in Central Florida. You've Absolutely. Got You've got Disney Worldwide Sports that has boatloads of fields. You've got plenty of hotel rooms, central location to everybody. Sorry, Miami. Totally understand it. Sorry, Panama City. <laughs> you guys are out on the, the outskirts. But at the end of the day, everyone can meet in central Florida. There's also multiple high schools that you can put together if you wanted to do something like that. But Disney Worldwide Worldwide Sports was one of the best ex- best experiences I have ever had as a student athlete playing there. And I guarantee it would be an easier accommodation. And if you had to take a straw poll from any, all the coaches, I guarantee you Orlando and Central Florida area would win. Absolutely. And my, my problem with what happened from, from the year, three, four years ago when we had it at Austin Tyndale Park, um, which is a good park, but what happened is they put the – semifinal games on regular fields okay so if you weren't there imagine showing up at a lacrosse tournament and it's you know there's eight ten fields out there and then on four of the fields you have basically roll-in bleachers which only hold maybe fit a hundred people total something like that maybe a hundred people and that's it okay we're talking about the state semifinals for the boys and girls for 1A and 2A, okay? This is like the best lacrosse. This is the best lacrosse in Florida happening that, that year. And you're playing on a regular field with bleachers. It was horrendous. And on top of that, you had a girls game where you had the field, the field they played on was in such bad condition. One of the girls from one of the girls teams actually stepped in a hole, twisted her knee and tore her knee, okay? So 
everybody was up in arms. Now, the championship games took place in the stadium, and the stadium's actually great. The stadium's wonderful. Turf's nice. It's a good size. It's not too big, so you don't feel like it's empty, but it's not small enough that, like, you can't fill it up with a lot of people. And I think so many people were so upset about that situation, and specifically, you know, great example was when the Lake Island girls played there, their game was packed, and then when we when Winter Park played Lake Mary – you had 10 rows deep of people standing on the field. It was bonkers, like just crazy. And so they you were, went from this one extreme to now we go all the way down to Naples. And again, they have to bid on it and win it and all that. But it feels like the FHSAA was like, okay, okay, here you go. Here's, here you go. Take that. We're going to go down here and we're going to put it all in this place. They gave us a deal. All the games are going to be here, but you're also all going to be four, five, six, seven hours away, except for the couple teams coming from Miami. And we're just going to do it down here. Yeah. And I just don't, I don't understand it. That Austin Tyndall experience was on, uh, again, I'll never forget it. We had, we had a, a kid that, you know, had a history of concussions. had done really well. And we just came off at half and we're dying and there's no, there's no coverage. There's no locker rooms. There's nothing. And here comes one of the FHSAA volunteers painting a line right down the sideline as we're going and he starts not hallucinating but he starts getting a little sick and i think he even threw up literally just spray paint going everywhere and i look at our coaches i'm like is this really happening and again <laughs> naples is a great it's a great it field is. yeah there it's is, awesome. again lake mary lake brantley winter park high school stadiums are all great locations again those are just three randoms bishop moore's is very good um Lake Highlands is very – I mean, you could do all of these. That's great. Not in Naples. It's yeah. – I mean, hot take here. Naples is a long way away, middle of nowhere. No one lives there. It's a retirement community. Why are we yep. taking all of the best high school across? Oh, great. Ohio State and Hofstra played there, I think. Right. Great. They have money. They have buses. They have planes. They can do whatever they want. We have kids that are driving back and forth. And you've got yep. – I mean, I, if I was at McClay or if I was at – um, Bar Bartram Trail Girls, Girls, the Bartram Trail Girls. They had to drive. I, I That's a six-hour drive. And again, you look at a lot of these teams are very. You see this a lot of the same teams going to the same places. Yeah. All of them are making the trip. I mean, Ponte Vedra, the amount of money they have to fundraise to get down there because they've got to get down there early. They've got to stay in hotels. I mean, it's a heck of a it's a heck of a sacrifice to get down there. But again. If Disney doesn't want to play ball, I get it. The FHSAA has to cover expenses or do whatever, but there's got to be a thought of the athletes. Again, you talk about conference re, re I mean, conference re, um, whatever that's called, expansion. You've got Oregon flying to Rutgers on a Tuesday, and they got to get back Wednesday to, you know, to take tests. It's like, come on, can someone can someone take a step back and have that conversation? Well, we uh, won't we won't touch on it now, but we'll talk about it on another hot take episode. But we also need to break down that one day gap between the semifinal game yes. and the final game um, because in theory it, it makes sense, but it doesn't make sense. Uh, so anyhow, we'll, we'll get onto that, but that that's my hot take because I wanted to talk about the, uh, the state championships uh, in Naples this year, again, down at paradise sports complex. Um, and uh, you know, it is what it is. It's where we're, that's where the, the top teams are going to go this year and uh, we'll see who gets the bid for the next year. But What's your, what's your next hot take? This will be our last hot take. What you got? Right, my last hot take, and for those that don't, may or may not know, I, uh, my wife and I work in local real estate, and we, we always plan out 2024, things that we want to do, things that we can give back. That's our goal is to give back to the community. And we were talking about the Garbage Goal podcast, and I think, Patrick, that I am going to do something dumb, but I think it'll be funny. I think I'm going to host 
a quarterly event for lacrosse, free clinics, get the coaches together, just to continue, kind of like Poe said, get grow the game. And I thought, what would be a better way to kick this off in Q4 uh, than host a free parents' night? Either a mom's night out or a dad's night out, or do both, and have them come and learn about the game of lacrosse. Bring in some coaches that have been there, have a conversation, keep it open, keep it light. But to continue, our, our thought is to grow the game. And I, I saw that UCF did this with their football coaches. I think Florida State does a uh, um, mom's night to learn about the sport or whatever. I think it would be absolutely hilarious. I think it's great. I love it. Just let me know the time and place. <laughs> I'll be there. Will you be I'll in be the back there. of the room filming? I will be in the back of the room filming. Yes. I think that's great. And, I, you know, that's the thing about – I feel like that's the thing. This That's the theme of this whole thing, guys, is that this this Garbage Coal podcast, Orlando Lacrosse Report, you know, for me to you, if I'm calling to you, like we just want to see the game of lacrosse grow in the state of Florida. And, you know, it's going to be a couple years. I'm not going to have a, a kid playing anymore. Colin's going to be in this thing for a long time because he's got a young son. Hopefully. But I, I, look to, I look forward to seeing – you know, because the game is so young in our state. I saw where a local high school is having their 95th, I believe their 95th or something like that, homecoming game, okay, for football, right? So that's a local high school in the Orlando area. And I'm looking back at the state championships that have been FHSAA, actually sanctioned state championships, and it only goes back 15 years, you know? And so to think about how young the sport is in Florida and how much potential is there, and what it's going to take for that to go to that next level. It's going to take stuff like this where people can come together. They can learn from the game. Um, this past weekend, um, I was at a scrimmage and uh, or at, a, at a Orlando Fall Ball League from uh, Lacrosse Club Orlando. And I saw um, a bunch of my, um, I call them my friends from Lake Mary uh, because we have a great love-hate relationship because, you know, we've just battled it out over the years. Our kids have. And I love all those guys, and we like to talk smack and be ridiculous and make funny jokes. And yep. so I walked up, and they were like, hey, it's Patrick. And I was like, hey, I, I would prefer you refer to me now as a social media influencer. And, um, you know, I'm going to be charging you for autographs and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But, you know, it's that's the kind of community and camaraderie that we hope that you are building in your program, and we're going to build in Orlando. And so, like, if you see – me out and about, please say hi. If you see Colin out and about, you know, say hi to other parents. If you see a kid wearing a shirt, go, hey, man, do you play for, you know, you play for Lake Brantley? You play for Lake Howe? You play for, uh, you know, whoever it is, Seminole High School? Who do you play for? And get to know some of these kids, encourage them to stick with the game, and help other parents get plugged into the game. I love the idea, Colin. I just, like I said, need to know the date and time, and I'll be there. The, the first thing he's going to say is uh, shoot it is not the thing you should yell at your son when he's, standing on the other side of the field or wheels wheels listen this is a whole episode of everything <laughs> that me you and every parent out there stupidly has said over the years and probably will continue to say but we're going to break those we're going to break all those things down one day in a garbage goal podcast because yeah. i'm telling you we i have said some of the most ridiculous embarrassing things on a lacrosse field um that i still to this day am haunted by <laughs> you and me both buddy you and me both uh, well listen man i i love the hot takes there's so many more we, we're we're gonna we're gonna get into more of them as our episodes come along yeah. uh again thanks so much for tuning in thanks for 
downloading the podcast on Apple, on Spotify, watching on YouTube. Be sure and share it with your family and friends. Uh, subscribe as well. It's really important that you subscribe. Great. So that way as a new episode drops, you'll just get notification on your phone and then you can just listen in and, and uh, you know, see what's going on. And we got some more guests lined up the next couple of weeks. We're super excited about we got some good ones. We got some really yep. good ones. We have some fun stories. So. It's, 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 it's been exciting to see the response. And it's, it's, again, this is all about fun. It's about a conversation. And that's what we're looking forward to. So make sure you subscribe and like or whatever the things they say. Tickety tockety, let's make it happen. Yep. That's it. Tag us. Tag us in your TikTok, your TikTok <laughs> dance. All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to the Garbage Gold podcast powered by Orlando Lacrosse Report for Colin. I'm Patrick. We'll see you next time. See you.